All right, well, good evening. Welcome to Element City Church. Uh, my name is Lyle. Hi, Margo. Welcome. Happy anniversary, guys. It's a great night uh, to be gathering to worship together. Uh, it's kind of a special night for me. I've got a lot of family and friends who are here. Uh, so we've got a lot of first-time guests. Uh, but if, you're, if this is your first time, we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us. So whether you're here in the house, whether you're watching online, uh, it may even be a Tuesday or Wednesday night if you're watching online. If so, we hope you're having a great week. Uh, either way, if you're new, we've got a phone number that you can text into now. It's 520-340-6868. And just text in the word hello. If you do that, you're going to get a little survey. You just tap the link, fill that out. That's going to let us get to know a little bit more about you. But you can even bring that to the back. Uh, we've got some kettle corn that we want to give out as a gift if it's your first time. And this isn't just any kettle corn. As Jack likes to say, this is the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon. I cannot verify that because I'm not a first-time guest and he has not allowed me to have it yet. It's a little harsh, I know, but we'll get there one day. It's fine. Uh, and if you're online, uh, we have a, a host that is there to connect with you as well. So there's a button that says connect. You can fill out the connection card through there. That'll also let us get in touch with you. It just lets you know who we are, what we're about, and find out how can we serve you and how can we partner with you. Uh, so, and if you don't have the church app yet, uh, if you go to the Google Play Store, the Apple Store, uh, sorry, the App Store, you can download the Elements City Church app. It's a great place to get uh, notes. You can get playlists. Uh, that's where we do our giving as well. So uh, feel free to download that so that you can get connected as well. Uh, so, and if you were here last week, you heard we started a college Bible study. It's the first time we've really put some effort into college ministry. So we had a great time gathering with folks. Uh, we had five students and we're just going to pray that the Lord continues to bring more folks uh, who want to investigate who Jesus is, who want to get to know him. So we're excited about that. We're going to be meeting again this Tuesday. So if you're 18 to 25 or if you know anybody who's uh, in college who would want to be a part of that, uh, feel free to let them know uh, about it and uh, they can text into that same phone number. Uh, we can get the information to them about it as well. So uh, let's all stand together as we get ready to worship. Uh, we wanna thank you for being here again tonight. We're gonna be praying for our Church of the Week as we get ready for worship. This week's Church of the Week is the Oasis Church at Rita Ranch and their pastor, David Ganey. So let's pray for them and pray for ourselves that the Lord would just show up tonight, have his way, and that we would be blessed by that. So Father, we thank you so much for the work that you wanna do tonight. We come with expectant hearts, with full hearts, ready to receive what it is that you have for us. Lord, would you just allow us to tune in all of our affection right now, all of our uh, attention toward you, to worship you in spirit and in truth, uh, because you deserve it. You're worthy of it more than anything else in this world. We pray for the Oasis Church. We pray for their pastor, David Ganey. Uh, we just ask your blessing over them as well. And what a beautiful reminder that the church is more than just Element City Church. Your church is alive and active throughout this city, not just in this city, but around this country and around this world. And so praying for these churches gives us a great reminder, God, uh, that there are so many believers that we can connect with uh, out in this world. And we need that fellowship together so that we can bring the name of Jesus uh, to this city and see it transformed. So would you be be with Oasis Church and just provide for them financially? Uh, would you also provide for them just new ways that they can connect with their community so they can be a blessing uh, to the people that are right there where you have them and they're part of Tucson? We pray your blessings over Pastor Ganey as well, God. Would you protect uh, him and his family, God, as they shepherd that church? Let them lead with integrity, uh, all for your glory, Lord. And so we just give you our hearts now. Come and have your way, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
Praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing. 
make us kingdom builders in this place. Jesus, Father, you are here with us. We build our life upon your foundation. Amen. Let's sing, church. Come on. Father, you're such a great architect. Your designs are flawless and beautiful and wonderfully made. God, I lift up this church. I lift up my brothers, my sisters. I lift myself to you, Father. the commitment to pursue that design. To the best ability that I know how. And Father, I know that when I fall, that your grace is sufficient. And as we pursue that design, Father, I pray collectively the 
plans would change, this community would change Tucson. You are so worthy of our praise, God. We want to let the world know that. So we humbly come before you tonight, God, in expectation for you to move within us, God. I pray for Pastor Lyle. And yes, I get to be the first one to say that. I think I just stole the show. I pray for him as he comes and shares your words with us, God. So excited about what you're doing in his life, what you're doing in the lives of this church. We look forward to seeing your designs constructed in a grand way. So we love you. We worship you with all we have. Amen. Guys, can I have a seat? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Welcome again uh, to our service tonight at Elements. Uh, it's, it's a privilege every time to get to be here and to worship with you. We're continuing in our Good Life series tonight, and you just heard the Beatitudes. Uh, and so that's what this whole sermon series is about. We're going through the Beatitudes, uh, which comes from Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And tonight we get to look at uh, humility. And so I, my mom's here, my brother's here, and growing up, uh, my dad was just such a, God bless him, he was such a wonderful man, such a humble man, and he was so gifted and so skilled. But you know how it is when you're a dad, you kind of want to look cool every now and then, and there's times that you just know that what you did, your kids appreciated, right? So anytime that would happen, my dad used to remind us of a song that Mac Davis wrote back in 1980, and he'd love to quote these words to us. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. Am I right, Mark? To know me is to love me. I must be a heck of a man. He didn't say heck. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best that I can. So my dad used to tell us that song. We'd kind of laugh because that just was totally against my dad's character. Uh, but it was always just kind of fun to, to hear him say that. And maybe uh, if we're being honest in America, we could probably relate to those words more than we realize or more than maybe even we would like to. Uh, because this is a country where we take a lot of pride in a lot of things, don't we? We take a lot of pride in being individuals and in being an individualistic society. We take a lot of pride in the freedoms that people have fought to provide for us. Uh, we take a lot of pride in being able to provide for our families. Uh, and the reality is uh, pride is just something that can shoot an arrow right through the heart of the fruit of the spirit that's growing within you if it goes unchecked. 
Also, uh, the irony is not lost on me that on the night of my ordination, Jack, of course, said, hey, I want you to preach this sermon on humility. Uh, so at first I was like, is he trying to tell me something? And then we were talking before the service. He was trying to tell me something. Like he just straight up said, uh, it's not that I want to preach this or didn't want to preach this. Uh, the reality, uh, the, the truth of the matter is uh, the type of leader that God wants to use. As funny as it is, the, the reality is God wants to use humble leaders because those are the types of leaders that he can trust, that he knows that will build his kingdom with integrity. Uh, and those are the types of people that we want to be. So if you know me uh, any, any little bit, you know I'm kind of a nerd. Uh, I love to read. I love information. I love uh, just to kind of absorb all that stuff in. It doesn't matter if it's about politics, sports. I was an econ major, so I read about economics. Who reads economics books? This guy. Uh, and I've read two of them in the last couple months. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a nerd. And so we're going to be in Matthew 5. Verse 5 tonight, as uh, we look at humility, uh, we're going to jump around to some other passages of Scripture tonight. But I just want to invite you to put your nerd hats on with me for the next couple of minutes here. It's kind of a section I like to call the five-minute nerd out because context is everything for me. I think it's really important to understand context of what we're reading and what we're seeing in Scripture because that lets us actually understand the intention of the authors when they wrote this. And so uh, if you've got the church app, you can pull up the, the notes, you can follow along there. If you've got your Bible, we'll be in Matthew 5.5. 5. But before we get there, I just want to give us some background. We've got the series takeaway that's going to show up here. We've talked about this the last couple of weeks. The pursuit of the good life, at least the one that this world says to seek, will ultimately let you down. But the pursuit of the God life will lead to real, lasting joy and true blessing. I love this quote from J. Vernon McGee. He said, it is well for us to note that these are the be attitudes, not the do attitudes. They state what the subjects of the kingdom are. They are the type of person described in the Beatitudes. So we've talked about the Beatitudes. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. That's what's starting here in Matthew chapter five. And the thing to keep in mind about the book of Matthew was that it was written with a Jewish audience in mind. So everything that you're reading in the book of Matthew, it's because... Uh, Matthew wants his readers, especially those who are Jewish, to understand that this Jesus that I follow, this Christ is the Messiah. He's the chosen one that God foretold would come to save his people. And so to start out this chapter, uh, Jesus takes a seat. He sits down to teach on a hillside. And that's actually an important detail because anytime a rabbi was about to give important information to his followers, he would sit down to teach. So this is a moment where Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm the good teacher. And this message, you know, Jesus gave a lot of messages to a lot of crowds. But if a rabbi sat to teach, more often than not, he was teaching his disciples, just his followers. So when Jesus sits down, he's signifying, this is for my disciples. This is for those who follow after me. And that's good news for us today because that means these words are still poignant for us, that we can still learn something from them because this message is still for us to receive in today's age. So we've got a little bit of background there. Uh, if you know about the Beatitudes, every single one of these phrases starts with the word blessed. So blessed are those who. So in the Greek, this word blessing, it's uh, makarios. Look to your neighbor, say makarios. Makarios, that's right. So you learned some Greek tonight. How exciting is that? So we can translate that as blessed. Uh, you, you'll hear it translated as happy sometimes. But even still, you could take it farther than that and say it's, it's happier this word makarios, there's actually a sense of envy that's kind of there. So it's not just that you'll be happy, it's that you will be so happy that others will look at you and they might be just a little envious of you. 
because of the happiness that you have. So this blessed, it's a loaded word. So keeping that in mind, let's read Matthew 5, 5. It's gonna be up on the screen and we can actually read this together. It says, blessed are the humble for they will inherit the earth. Simple verse tonight. We can exegete, exegete this easily. We can talk about what each thing means. But again, these, these are the be attitudes, not the do attitudes. So we're gonna look at some other passages to try to help us get some application. Because how do you just be humble? You can't just be humble, right? Like it's a state of mind and it takes some work. So it's important to define terms always. So let's talk about what humility is. Because maybe your translation says meek. So if you see humble, I like the dictionary definition here for humility. It's a freedom from pride or arrogance. That sounds pretty good, a freedom from pride or arrogance. So those who show humility, they have no pride, they have no arrogance in them. But the biblical definition takes it a little bit farther than that because it's a recognition that God is the great I am. And if God is the great I am, that means that I'm the lowly I'm not. Again, maybe your translation says uh, the word meek. So this idea of meekness, it's power that's under control. Uh, people like to refer to horses a lot when they talk about meekness because you get this big, beautiful creature uh, that's very capable, very strong, and yet a horse's will gets broken so that the one riding the horse can direct the horse where they want that horse to go. But I think a lot of times uh, we, we don't even realize that the word meek, apparently in, in olden ages, as I was kind of doing some research on this, they make a verb out of this word, meeked. I thought being meeked was just when Rebecca got married to Ryan. His last name is Meek for the guests. Uh, but ultimately, to be meeked was this process of breaking a horse down. Because if you think about what a horse is capable of doing, a battle horse, those horses have no fear. They have been trained to, to respond to the slightest nudge of the rider's leg so that they can change direction. They ran headfirst into cannon fire, into gunfire, into fires and explosions. And yet, at all times, They've bent their will to the will of the rider so that the rider can direct the horse where it is to go. That's the idea of meekness here. That's the idea of humility. And if we look at the Greek word that's used to translate that, uh, it also conveys this meaning of lowliness of mind. And now you might hear that and think that means, oh man, I'm terrible, I'm the worst, and we have to walk around all the time, just other people are better than I am. And that's not the idea here, the idea of lowliness of mind in the same way that the horse is incredibly powerful, but the horse considers the needs of the rider before the needs of itself. That's the same message that's being conveyed here. Happier are those, so happy that others will be envious of this person, who are free from pride or arrogance, who are willing to bend their will to the will of the master, of the father. And what do they get for that? They get to inherit the kingdom of earth. They inherit the earth, it says, I'm sorry. Uh, so this idea of inheriting the earth, it's an indication of receiving eternal life, but it's actually more than that too. Because it's not just that you get to receive eternal life. It's that when you go to heaven, when we get to live in eternity, you receive a high standing in heaven. You get to be an honored citizen of heaven. There's even an idea of governance that may be conveyed here. And we don't know. None of us have died and been able to go to the afterlife to figure this out yet. Uh, but still, from translations and from the way that scholars look at that, that's what we're learning here. Is that blessed are those, happier are those who are free from pride and arrogance they'll be high standing members of heaven. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? 
So how do we get that? How do we get there? Because again, in America, it's, it's not easy to be humble all the time, is it? Especially in our selfie culture, in a culture where uh, we use so many forms of social media to convey everything that's going on in our lives and make sure that everybody can see what's going on in my life. It was interesting, I heard a statistic that uh, they, they did a survey of German students and Chinese students, so two totally different cultures that were roughly college age. 45% of respondents in both cultures believe that they were just waiting for their 15 seconds of fame. That's not even American culture. That's in other societies where they still believed, yeah, I'm gonna have my moment where I'll be in the spotlight. So how do we have humility? I wanna take a quick look uh, through some snapshots in the life of one of my favorite disciples, Peter. And I think that Peter's kind of a disciple that we can all relate to. Right, you think about the Apostle Paul, let's be honest, Many of us feel Paul's that super Christian. He wrote half the New Testament. This guy was a religious zealot. So it's pretty hard to feel like we can relate to the guy who's uh, influenced modern Christianity and just thousands of years of church history. Uh, but because he was that super Christian kind of guy, I think most of us are like, oh, yeah, I, I can't relate to Paul. But when it comes to Peter, he's just a real dude, isn't he? Makes mistakes, he's brash, he's a little bit bold. Uh, he, he's not afraid to mess up. And then he just gets right back in there. Uh, but he loves Jesus, he loves following after Jesus. Uh, and he's just, he's kind of a, a real guy that I think that we can all relate to. So if you'll journey with me through a couple passages in scripture, I wanna look at a few snapshots in the life of Peter because I think that we'll be able to see what humility isn't and what humility is through a couple of these places. So let's go to Luke chapter five. We'll be in verses four through eight to start with. And again, I love context. So the context here, uh, you've got Jesus has just uh, let out on a boat and he's been teaching to a, a group of people. So he finishes his teaching and then he gets the disciples together that are in the boat and he says, hey, let's push out the boat a little bit further. So starting in verse four, it says, and when he had finished speaking, that being Jesus, he said to Simon, Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I'll let down the nets. Now let's pause here. I have what some might call the gift of sarcasm. I like to communicate sarcastically, especially with my closest friends. We make fun of each other, and it's to the point where sometimes we just have to be aware of who's around us because it can come across really poorly because they just don't realize this is all a joke and this is our love language. This is how we communicate, you know? So when we get to this part in, in scripture, we don't get to convey tone through text, do we? In fact, when cell phones rolled out, we started texting. We had to make up emojis just to even be able to convey a sense of tone. Well, the bad news is while we don't have emojis in scripture, I do wonder, uh, was Peter in this moment, was he kind of being a little passive aggressive? He's the fisherman, right? Hey, we toiled all night and took nothing, but you know what? Fine, at your word, at your word, I'll let down the nets. Verse six, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. You see, humility cannot exist inside of me when I'm trusting in my ability over God's ability. 
Instead, humility is recognizing that all of my ability comes from God. Maybe Jesus wasn't a fisherman. Peter's probably thinking, hey, I'm I'm a fisherman here. I kind of know what's going on. But he forgot that the person he was talking to was the one who created the seas. He created the waters and all the creatures that swim within them. So I think he could probably trust Jesus. And he learned that pretty quickly, didn't he? That's why he falls down and worships Jesus. When you look at today's culture, I always loved Shaquille O'Neal. He was just such a funny guy. Uh, but it, it struck me as odd that here's a man who's seven foot one, who loves to gloat about being so great at basketball. And it's like, dude, you didn't make yourself seven foot one. If you weren't good at basketball, you failed at life, right? If you're seven one and over 300 pounds and can move, you should probably be good at dunking a basketball and you should probably be able to go on and have a decent career and all of that. That's God-given talent. There's a reason we call that God-given, right? And yet how often do we do the same thing? Well, God, I'm pretty good at an accountant here or at accounting, so you know, I'm gonna keep the books and, and we, we do so many things without the Lord. Maybe you're good at running a business. Maybe you're really good at soccer. Maybe you're really good at photography. Whatever it may be, all of us, if we wanna grow in humility, we would do really well to remember that those gifts came from the Lord so that we could use them for his kingdom, for the blessing of the kingdom, so that we can show people who Jesus is through our lives and through the way that we live them. Let's take a look at Matthew 26 at another uh, point in Peter's life. Matthew 26 is a pretty long chapter, so if you want to turn there, you can. You don't have to. Uh, but in Matthew 26, this is the, the night that Jesus is arrested. This is the night that Jesus is going to be uh, crucified. And so if you get to verse 31, Jesus is uh, already praying in the garden with the disciples, and he tells the disciples, keep praying so that you don't fall away. What does Peter do? Oh, Jesus, I'd never fall away from you. I'll always follow after you. Right then, what does Jesus do? Does he affirm him? No, he actually prophesies. I hate to break it to you, Peter, but even tonight, three times, you're gonna deny me. So, fast forward a little bit. Centurions come, guards come with Judas. They're there to arrest Jesus. And I think that this moment's fresh in Peter's mind. He's just heard you're gonna deny me three times. And so the moment Jesus is seized, uh, the, the text tells us that Peter pulls out a sword and he cuts off the ear of one of the guards. And he's probably feeling pretty good about himself, just thinking, yeah, God, I've, or Jesus, I've got your back here. I would never fall away from you. And again, what does Jesus do? He actually rebukes him, doesn't he? He heals the ear of the, the centurion and even says this uh, in verse 53. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? You see, humility is not protecting Jesus from those who would attack him. He can protect himself pretty well, thank you very much. Humility is not enacting what you believe is the will of God in your own timing. However, humility is submitting to the sovereignty of God. It comes when we recognize that God has a plan And he's in charge of executing that plan, and he's going to do a great job of making sure it happens. We fast forward just a little bit in Matthew 26, and Jesus is now, after he's been arrested, he's under trial, and Peter's kind of roaming around the outskirts of all of this, and he starts being questioned, are you a follower of Jesus? 
You were one of those guys who was with, uh, with, uh, with a guy in there, right? And three different times he fulfills the prophecy. He denies Jesus. Isn't it interesting how quickly Peter gets a lesson in the sovereignty of God and understanding that God's will will be enacted, whether we like it or not? And how much more humbling was it for Peter to understand that in this moment, it was a very public failure for Peter, a very public humiliation that he had to go through to get this lesson. Humility cannot exist inside of me when I deny my relationship with Christ in order to protect myself or my reputation. Instead, humility comes when I rest in the fullness of my relationship with Jesus and in who he says that I am. Peter had a point to prove earlier. He cuts the ear off of a guy. He's probably kind of reeling in that moment. And as he's reeling and stumbling through all this, he's just trying to survive now. And he denies Jesus three times. But what's he doing? He's trying to preserve his life. He's trying to protect himself. How often do we find that maybe it's not verbally denying Christ, but how often do we maybe uh, not talk of our faith or maybe not even engage with other people about what Christ has done within us because we need to protect our reputation or protect ourselves? I find that most of the time when these types of things happen, there's a void that's inside of us. Peter felt that void that night. And when we have that void and we try to fill it with our own, uh, in our own ways, that's when our pride comes out. I mentioned uh, having the spiritual gift of sarcasm um, and using that at times in, in ways that just can cut people down. And I've seen it at, uh, when I worked at Apple If I'm being honest, there's a lot of times I want to be funny. I want to be witty. I want people to see that I'm a humorous guy or that I'm kind of smart and I've got it together. And it's just really easy uh, to kind of just start being sarcastic with people and kind of making jokes and making fun. Uh, But there there came a point where I started to realize that uh, there were times that I would do that. And I would look around the room. Everyone's laughing and I'd feel pretty good about myself and feeling pretty great. But then that one person that I was just teasing, their shoulders are slumped. And they just kind of slowly make their way out of the room. And it really convicted me that I'm literally doing the exact opposite thing that I'm meant to be doing as a follower of Jesus. Instead of speaking words of life into this person, I was making them feel less than because I needed to make myself feel better about who I am. When I'm walking in humility, I no longer need to tear others down to build myself up. Instead, I see that I'm fully loved and because I have all that I need in my relationship with God, it enables me to love others the way that I was always meant to, even those who are hard to love. A couple days after Jesus is crucified, the disciples have scattered at this point. Uh, And so let's go to John 21. We're gonna be in verses four through seven and uh, 15 through, I think, 17 uh, in John 21. But Jesus has been crucified. He's now resurrected. The disciples have gone out. They're fishing. They're fishing out on a boat. Uh, And so uh, it says in verse four, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? Answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. 
That disciple whom Jesus loved, this is the disciple John, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. So here's Peter. He goes full Forrest Gump in this moment. You remember that scene? It's the, hey, Lieutenant Diane, right? He's just so excited to see his friend. He just dives right off the boat. This is Peter. He's so excited to see his Lord that he dumps right into the water, swims up to Jesus to go see him. In verse 15, Jesus is now cooking the disciples' breakfast. He's making them fish, some of the fish that they just caught. He's cutting it up, and he's got a question that he asks Peter, and he asks Peter the question three times. He says, Peter, do you love me? How fascinating that. Fast forward, cut back just a couple days. This same Peter three times denies Jesus. Here he is in this moment. Three times, Jesus gives him a moment of redemption, doesn't he? Three chances to reaffirm his love for his Savior. Peter, do you love me? Here's uh, a great picture that humility is best able to grow inside of me when I fully understand the cost and the mercy of God. Peter watched his savior die. He was one of the first to get to run to the tomb. He's waiting to see the man that he's given three years of his life just following after. He finally sees him, he dives out, he runs up to him. And what's the first thing Jesus does? Now, now being sarcastic, it'd be like, oh, hey, Peter, are you ready to like acknowledge me now? Is that all right? You know, he's not like, hey, next time people ask you, if uh, you're a follower of mine, let me give you three better answers than the one that you gave me, right? Like, it's none of that. It's just, Peter, do you love me? Jesus forgave so quickly in that moment, and I think that that changed Peter to the point where he understood the cost, he understood the mercy, he understood the depth of the grace that God was extending to him. And I have good news for you tonight. That same grace is being extended to all of us as well. It doesn't matter how many times we blow it like Peter did. We can still receive that grace. And as we continue to grow in that, we're going to find uh, that this humility is growing with inside of us. You think about Peter, what he goes on to do. He becomes the leader of the early church. Peter's the one who preaches at Pentecost when 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. Peter's also the one who receives the revelation of these, this sheet comes down from heaven. There's all these animals. And he's told, hey, pick up a knife, kill, eat. And he's like, whoa, I'm a good Jew. Like, I can't eat all those things. And God says, don't call unclean what I've made. Can I get an amen that we can now eat some bacon because of that? Amen. Not that turkey bacon. That's fake bank. We don't want that. We want the real stuff. And then shortly after that, Peter is met or goes to meet, actually, a Roman centurion named Cornelius. He comes into the house and of Cornelius. He gets to explain the scriptures to Cornelius. Here's a Gentile man and all these Jewish folks who aren't really sure what God wants to do with the Gentiles yet. But because Peter gets this revelation, Peter's the one who, who prays with him. The man receives the Holy Spirit, and he's like, I guess that this message is for everyone now. So many significant moments happened through the life of Peter. And yet God 
had to make sure that Peter was humble enough to handle them. He had to break through Peter's pride in order to prepare him for this role that he wanted him to play, to know that he could trust him to play it. He was meeked. And you look at the way that Peter's story unfolds, I kind of wonder if that's similar to the way that our lives go. That we get this revelation of God. We have this moment where we finally see the beauty, the glory of him. We understand the grace that Jesus has extended to us. And we're ready to pray. We receive it. And there's just a joy that comes from that. And so we run hard after him. And then life happens. And then we blow it. Just like Peter. But God extends that grace. We see the grace. We get back on the path. And then we blow it again. It's just, it's a constant thing. But we all understand that, we all know that. And we can all look to the example of Peter to know that through, uh, through his life, if, if he was able to be restored consistently, we too can be restored into the grace, the forgiveness of God. I love this quote from uh, Dr. Derwin Gray. He wrote the book that we've been using for this uh, sermon series that uh, has kind of laid out what we're talking about. And he said this, he said, we often think humility is timidity, shyness or weakness, but the humility God imparts to us takes root in the soil of our souls. And as we water and fertilize it by faith, courage and conviction begin to grow in us. We become stronger because our confidence is in God, not ourselves. Instead of having self-confidence, we have Godfidence. In all of this, Peter was learning to grow in his Godfidence. How can we learn to grow in our confidence as well? How can we learn to not just rest in our own ability, but to recognize that that ability comes from the Lord? How can we learn to not cut corners so that we can accomplish our own version of God's will, but allow God's will to play out in the timing that he's set forth for it? How can we make sure that we're no longer acting to save our reputation, or who we are, but instead live the type of free life where we can love anyone and everyone because we already know that we're complete and made whole in Christ. You can't talk about humility without looking at Philippians chapter two, verses three through six. And so I wanna look at this uh, passage kinda as we start to wrap up tonight. Uh, this is a very famous text in scripture and uh, Paul, wrote this to the, the Philippian people. He says this in verse three, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own standards or interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Here's the million dollar question tonight. How are you trying to grasp for equality with God? We have this example of Jesus who was able to set his, his will aside. He set everything down. He could only do the things that the Father wanted him to do. And he was so obedient even to the point of death. It says death on a cross. One of the most humiliating ways to die. And yet he didn't ever seek that equality with God. He didn't grasp at it. He didn't reach for it. But how do we do that? How are we trying to bend God's will to fit our version of what we think it should be? 
Where are we cutting corners in our life? Sacrificing a little bit of integrity every single time that we do that because we need to accomplish what we think God wants us to do. How do we cut others down? How do we cut them aside or push them aside because we're trying to get ahead in life? Because we need to reach the pinnacle or whatever it is that we wanna do. How is it that we're maybe missing out on time with our family because we feel like we have to provide uh, a certain standard of living uh, for our family and as a result, we're not there to be the people that we need to be to give the time that we need to give to those who need it. Maybe for you, it looks different. I don't know what that is. That's the question tonight. If we wanna grow in humility, we have to understand how are we not gonna continually grasp to make ourselves equal with God? How are we going to trust that God is the great I am, that I'm the lowly I am not? Remember, happier to be envied are those who are free from this pride or arrogance, who trust that God is the great I am, who understand that they are not. For they're gonna be high-standing citizens of heaven. The last couple of weeks, we've kind of changed up how we've ended our services. We've invited you to take your phones out. Someone is just gonna ask you tonight, go ahead and take your phone out. This is the one time you're allowed to use your phone in church and the, the preacher guy's gonna be watching you do it and there's no judgment because we're asking you to do that. But go ahead and open your phone and pull, pull, pull up a note. Um, words don't always wanna come out. Pull up a note, a blank note, because uh, I wanna leave some time for reflection tonight. And we've been doing this intentionally because what we find and what we've learned is adult, learns, uh, adult learners learn best when they take a moment to reflect on the things that they've uh, experienced, whether it's positive, whether it's negative, when we think back of what went well or maybe what didn't go as well as we wanted it to go, we can kind of make note of what do we wanna do differently or how can we do that better next time or what do I need to keep doing because the result was so good that I should do that every time that I can. Ultimately, what we wanna do is try to reprogram our brains so that when a moment comes, we can respond appropriately to that. When it comes to this idea of uh, humility, again, these are the be attitudes, not the do attitudes. How can we change who we are? The only way we can do that is by helping ourselves react, not just act, but react the way that God wants us to. And so think back about Peter. He learned his abilities didn't come from himself. They were given to him by God. He learned he can trust God as sovereign, that God will enact his will in his own timing. He learned that he could safely rest in the fullness of his relationship with Christ, that it would free him to love others and serve others with no need to protect his reputation. He learned that humility could fully grow in him once he understood the mercy of Jesus. So we're gonna invite the band back up, but take a few moments. It's gonna be kind of quiet in here for the next couple of minutes, and that's okay. I want you to process and just think back. Where have you shown humility in your life? Maybe where have you tried to grasp to be like God, to be equal with God? And maybe how can you repent of that? Think through what you can do differently next time a situation arises where you'd be ready to respond a certain way. But think, how can I respond differently to make sure that people uh, see that God, the great I am, is the one doing this, not me. So take a couple of moments to do that. Uh, we're gonna pray to wrap up in the next couple minutes here as well. And then we're gonna uh, end with another song of worship. 
But God, would you just speak to people now? Would you begin to move and stir in their hearts? Begin to create within us a spirit of repentance for ways that we've sought to be like you, God. And would you just show us now ways that we can uh, start to grow in humility the way that you desire we would. Father, help us to grow in humility the way that you would desire us to. Would you remind us lovingly that the leaders you promote, the people that you love to use are those who prove themselves to be humble because you know that you can trust them. You know that they're gonna do things with integrity and we wanna be those people. God, we want to be vessels that you can use so that you can bring your glory into this city and people can see who you are. God, I thank you for the reminder that uh, for those of us who relate a little too well with Peter, who feel like maybe we've just blown it time and time again. Thank you that your word tells us that you were not just humble enough to not consider trying to make yourself uh, to grasp at uh, accomplishing the Father's will in your own timing. You, you were content to do the will of the Father the way the Father wanted you to do it. And you emptied yourself, you took the form of a servant, you were humbled in the likeness of men. And your word says, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. But not only did you die, you rose again from the dead and you purchased our freedom. That this debt of sin that hung over us, this fear of failure, this weight that comes from blowing it, God, you purchased that forgiveness for us so that you could restore the relationship with you we were always meant to have. For those who are here tonight, God, who have been grasping at wanting to be like you, who've tried to play God in their own lives, I pray that tonight would be a night that they could just lay that down. That maybe they'd feel tired enough to realize it just, it doesn't work. This isn't a life that's gonna be fulfilling. And so would you speak to those, uh, and I don't know who this is for, but would you speak to those who need to, to stop trying to be like you, to stop trying to do the things only you can do, Lord. 
And will we just receive that restoration, that relationship that you want us to have? If you're here tonight and you've never put your hope and your faith or your trust in Jesus, I just want you to know the same grace that he extended to Peter, he's extending to you tonight. And if you wanna know more about that, if you wanna explore this Jesus, if you wanna give your life to him and just say, God, you take control. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. We'd love to pray with you and meet you in the back at the table at the 10 minute party there. And so we're gonna continue with the time of worship. But God, would you continue to move in this time, continue to speak to us. Do a work in all of our hearts that we need done tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
of me. Maybe at the end of the day, that's humility. Of getting to a place of realizing, God, you're really big. I'm really little. Help me to always keep that perspective. And, And so may you be challenged, may we be challenged as a church, as Pastor Lyle shared, that we would be a people that would resemble and reflect more and more of that humility that Jesus showed. I think that's what made him so attracted to so many people because it's so unique and different than what we see around us. And so uh, we'll go on that journey together. And again, if, if you're a guest with us tonight, whether you're watching online or here in the room, we are thrilled to have you here and we would love to connect with you. We, we do a 10 minute party at the end of every service. I'm, I'm just gonna let you know it's a five minute party tonight. And it's not on you, that's on us, uh, because we have a special ceremony that we're doing tonight uh, in ordaining Lyle and setting him and Anya apart for the gospel ministry, and we want to pray and celebrate over them. And so we're going to do that in an ordination ceremony immediately following service here, but we're going to take about a five-minute break. And so uh, what that means is if you are here and you want to be a part of that ceremony, if you have kids in our eKids ministry, you need to go get them. Um, because some of our staff is over there and they want to be a part of this as well. And so if you have children there, uh, go get them here in a minute as we're dismissed. I want to thank you, all of you who are a part of the ministry that is Element City Church helps fuel that. We don't pass a plate here for an offering. We have boxes in the back and 80% of our people give online. And so that's a way that you can be a part of the mission of what we're about here. And one of those things that we're getting ready to do is our teacher appreciation blessing over the two schools that we've kind of adopted, uh, which is John B. Wright Elementary, two blocks that way, and Catalina High School, two blocks this way. And uh, we're gonna provide uh, some coffee gift cards to every staffer on campus on both those places. And so your giving helps make that happen. And here's another thing I invite you to do. In the foyer, uh, there is a big poster for both of those schools. We'd love for you to sign your name to that. 
because uh, we're going to deliver that with them here in about 10 days. Sound good? So you have this Sunday and next Sunday to sign your name to that, be a part of that endeavor with us. Uh, we're going to continue on with our series next week and invite you to that. So if you are new, we would love to meet you at the 10-minute party. If you've got questions, want to respond, talk to, to Lyle about what he shared about, meet us at that 10-minute party right now. We'll take about seven-minute break. So if you're online, you have seven minutes to go get a snack from your refrigerator and then come back. If you're here, you can mingle for about seven minutes. You'll see a countdown and then join us for the ceremony as we ordain Lyle and be a part of that. And if you stick around, there might be cupcakes. I'm just saying just saying. So it's a wonderful night to be here. Thank you so much for being a part of it with us, part of it online too. So seven minute stretch. It's kind of like the seventh inning stretch. Here's what we got. All right. We'll see you in seven minutes. If you are praying over Pastor Lyle, I invite you up here. If you're out in the lobby, uh, you are welcome to come back into this. We've got uh, some of our elders here. We've got some dear friends and mentors of Lyle and uh, a part of this ceremony. And so as you're making your way in, uh, here's why we're gathering tonight to do this. Because we love God and he's kind of commissioned people throughout history. Uh, as the creator of the heavens and the earth, uh, you're part of a tradition that goes back to the very beginning. And that's a pretty sweet thing. Uh, and so we're celebrating and affirming you, Lyle, and uh, affirming your wife also, Anya, that the call and ministry is, is rich, it's deep, it's part of your heritage, it's part of the roots of who you are, and that God's been active in your life, and this is just that next step in that. And so as we talk about commissioning and talking about ordination, that's really what it is. So all of us as followers of Jesus, we are to live as sent ones, active agents for God and for his good in the world. Like, we're all in that journey. But there is specific calling that comes to say, hey, to be a leader in God's movement called the church, we're commissioning or ordaining. And so you see examples of commissioning and uh, ordination, kind of this commissioning to the gospel ministry throughout the scripture. In Deuteronomy 31, uh, it's the Lord who commissions Joshua and says, be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land that swore to them, and I will be with you. It's God saying, I'm with you, and I'm sending in John 20, we see Jesus doing the same thing with his disciples after the resurrection. Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples rejoiced, said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. All through the book of Acts, in the beginning, early part of the church, uh, story of the church, is the commissioning of so many different groups of people, from the Apostle Paul and Barnabas to Timothy, all throughout. In fact, in Timothy, Paul writes, and he says, listen, if anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. And so just as I know I have felt people praying over me as they commission me, we want you to feel that and that blessing. And so tonight we set aside Lyle Thompson and ordain him as a pastor in the gospel ministry. We want to seek God's favor and blessing over you and Anya both. And I'm going to let you introduce some really significant people that have been a part of that journey for you uh, throughout the years. So why don't you introduce? Yeah, uh, it's just uh, all these men and women who are back here. Uh, a lot of you know Dan Hartman. Dan's uh, led worship quite a bit over the years. Dan is now uh, the worship pastor at uh, Life Point Church, uh, which is on the northwest side. 
town. Is that cutting in and out? It is. Sweet. I don't know if it's antenna. Anyway, uh, so uh, Jordan uh, is next to Dan. Jordan and I met at a, a Christian camp, youth camp. Uh, and we developed a bond over Manchester United and a love for all things Red Devils. Glory, glory, Man United. He's also the leader of a ministry up in Phoenix called Real Talk. Uh, and they do uh, ministry in high schools and with uh, uh, students. So uh, he's starting a business as well called Reframe Youth where they're putting together material. And just this guy, I love him. I love what he uh, is all about. And uh, he's been a great friend. Amy, you know Jack's wife. Ryan, he is a part of the board. Ryan uh, has been part of Elements for a long time as well. Uh, and then we've got Kevin, who's also one of our uh, elders. Uh, sorry, he's part of the elders board. There we go, getting it, getting it right. So you know them. This is my cousin, Phil. Phil's a pastor at Rincon Mountain Presbyterian Church here in town. Uh, and man, just, I love you guys. They're my only family in town, and I see them like once every two years, and it's tragic. Uh, but when you're in ministry, that's just the reality is your weekends are, are full, and so it is kind of hard to make those connections. But uh, Glenn, hopefully you all remember Glenn. Glenn chaired our board for a long time. Uh, when Elements was meeting at Pantano, Glenn was speaking frequently at Elements. So uh, Glenn's been a, a mentor uh, and just has invested in me from my time being a part of Elements starting back in 2009. Uh, Eddie Pearson here, when I came down to Tucson uh, to go to University of Arizona, he was in charge of an organization called The Refuge, and is the Baptist Student Union. Um, small world here, Eddie went to high school with Phil's wife in Almogordo, uh, New Mexico, and John and Jen Hinson, who are normally running cameras, who couldn't be here tonight, Jen is from Almogordo as well, so what are the chances that you'd have three Almogordo Tigers in the same room? That's right. But Eddie, uh, my freshman year of college, he took the time to mentor me and invest in me. Even since I've been uh, in ministry here at Elements, uh, we've met off and on over the years. And he's just uh, one of the most significant mentors in my life. Uh, Gabe, part of our elder board as well. So you all know Gabe. And then Rob, probably the only person with a bigger impact than Eddie is Rob. And that's just Rob was my youth pastor up in Phoenix in uh, Mesa to be exact. When I came down to Tucson the year before that, he had come down to Tucson. So Rob was my college pastor as well. Um, Rob and his friends were the reason that I picked up a guitar and became uh, involved in leading worship. Rob has invested more than 10 years into discipling me and teaching me what it is to follow Jesus. And um, man, I'm getting a little emotional. And I don't do that very often, but um, I lived with Rob and, and this, man, this guy has just done so much. Uh, to pour his love of Jesus and his understanding of the gospel and how we're meant to bring that out to people. Um, so I'm just grateful to have these uh, folks with me here tonight uh, to pray over me. And it's, uh, again, it's an honor, it's a humbling thing to get to sit here uh, because of the work that these men have done in my life. Yep. You are also surrounded by your church family uh, who loves you dearly and has been in this journey with you. And uh, we gathered to say... Uh, we see God's call in your life, and we want to affirm that. And you and I started talking about this a year ago. Uh, and uh, getting to this place is kind of the next step, uh, not just in doing ministry together, but in commissioning you to be a part of the gospel ministry uh, for the rest of your life. Uh, and for God to use you as a kingdom influencer. Uh, in our slice of the kingdom, 
is Element City Church, and so we are grateful. And so uh, we are going to have nine people pray, which means you can be seated because uh, it's going to take a little bit. Um, and, but we're going to invite you it, when and if you're ready. Just you can reach out your hand. Uh, if your hand gets tired, uh, you can put it down. But you can pray along with us as we kind of commission Anya and uh, Lyle into this ministry, in the gospel ministry, and ordain him officially tonight. So you all ready? You all ready online? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, all right, you ready? Um, okay, so who's going second? I gave perfect. So we're gonna. I'm gonna hand this to you in just a second. So let's pray around them. If are you all okay? If we get a little close? Okay, sounds good. So, <clears throat> Almighty God, Creator of the heavens and the earth, in every age you have called men and women to lead your people. And you have called Lyle into this special ministry in your movement called the church. Holy Spirit has confirmed his call in gifting him into doing ministry. He has clearly proclaimed the good news of Jesus in and through his life. And we gather today to simply recognize what you have already done and add our support and blessing through our prayers with the laying on of hands as we ordain Lyle together today into the ministry of the gospel officially. Would you give him power to proclaim the good news of Christ always? And may he lead your people in worship of you. Give him grace to be a pastor who shares your love and models your heart. May he be a teacher who speaks your truth so folks may know you and may know more about you. May he be a minister who reveals your presence to all he encounters. Would you be with his wife, Anya, and protect their marriage and grow her gifting? May you continue to leverage them together for the good and your good in this world. Continue to receive your blessing and expanding favor. And we thank you for Lyle, his placement among this church body of believers. We thank you for the calling upon his life that he's been so faithful to live out. Would you fill him afresh with your spirit, provide him with the gifts needed so that he may faithfully fulfill the ministry which you have called him. Guide his thoughts, guard his emotions, inspire his words, keep Lyle forever anchored in your grace. Strengthen his calling to this body and love for this people. We promise to pray for him and to follow his example. And now as he receives our blessing on behalf of your church, would you make him a faithful pastor, a patient teacher, an encouraging under-shepherd, a dear friend, a wise counselor, so he serves your people well. Strengthen him, your church, grow your kingdom, and advance your name, and may be glorified for years ahead. Lord God, you have called well to the gospel ministry and that's been confirmed here by the leadership and by the body over which you are placing him as an overseer. And we are thankful for the calling that you've placed in his heart, not just that calling to life, to new life in Christ, but now to calling to proclaim the good news of the gospel that brings life to others. And so, Lord God, as he takes on this mantle of being a pastor, will you continue to give him sweet times in your word where he follows the lead of the chief shepherd, the shepherd of his soul, so that he also might lead people beside still waters and that he would lead them into green pastures and that through his gospel-centered ministry, they would know 
the restoration of their souls through Jesus Christ. And Lord God, would you uh, protect this dear soul uh, as they enter into gospel ministry, as they enter into this particular know that there's nothing better that uh, the evil one would like than to destroy their marriage, to intervene, to put a wedge between them. So protect them, protect their marriage, protect their keep them strong in your word and in your spirit. May they be led by your spirit day in and day out. Lord God, uh, May you cause there to be much fruit born from the ministry that this couple brings to this body and wherever else you may lead them. Thank you for the, the great gifts that you've given them. Give, give grace to Lyle to repent of the gift of sarcasm. <laughs> and uh, equip him with uh, words to build up. Lord, him. We love Anya. We thank you for them and what you're doing in them and through them. In the name of Jesus. God, we just pray for Anya tonight. She's part of this calling that you've placed on Lyle. We pray for good health, strength, and protection over her. We ask that you would use her to be a supportive partner, a wise sounding board, and an encourager to Lyle. Lord, make their marriage reflection of the passion and the love you have for the church. We just pray that Anya would continually, that in Anya you would continually stoke a love and a passion for the gospel, the church, Element City Church, and the people it reaches, that you would provide rest when she is tired, support to hold up her arms when she is weary. Help us to know how and when to guide her Lord, we ask that you would protect and strengthen her in Lyle's marriage, giving Anya joy in all circumstances, good communication with Lyle, time to mourn and rejoice all that life brings, and ears to hear the Holy Spirit's whispers. God, we pray that you would bless them in all areas of their lives and ministry, expand their borders as bearers of the truth and the light of Christ and the power of the resurrection. And daily remind Anya of how beloved she is to you. Hello. I just want to open up with uh, Ephesians 4, uh, 11 through 13. It's uh, Paul writing to the church leadership. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to the unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So, Lord, I just pray, God, that you would just continue to fill Lyle, continue to fill Anya, God, just with your, your presence, Lord. Um, more of uh, directing and guiding of how you want to use them, how you want to speak through Lyle to us, God, to uh, your flock, Lord, not only us, but God, the people outside of this church, God, people he interacts with outside of the church walls, and the same with Anya, God, that you would continue to use them and um, use them to disciple others, Lord, and build them up and give them that passion like you have, Lord, and within the college uh, 
the college ministry that you've sparked a fire in, Lyle, Lord. God, build him up. Use him there, Lord, and um, continue to grow that uh, just with fruitfulness, Lord. And God, like he preached tonight, fill them with uh, humility. Fill Lyle with humility and Anya with humility so that it would just be, God, just a radiance of you and just your grace and your love coming in and through them and in and through him, God, as a pastor. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for their relationship. We thank you for uh, Lyle's relationship with you and his desire to pursue after the calling, the immense calling that you've placed on him, Lord. So I just pray um, just this over him and uh, in your holy name. Father, I thank you that you are present with us right now in this moment, that you have walked with, crafted, molded Lyle and Anya to this point where you have brought them to this stage where you are anointing them for the the ministry of the gospel at this church, at this time, at this place, in this city, for your glory, God. And Lord, I pray for a deepness, a richness, an intimacy with you, a closeness, God, a oneness, Lord, a unity with you in the spirit. Your word says that you are the high priest and that you are tempted by all things and subdued by none so that we can approach your throne of grace. I thank you that my brother will know as he does all he does that first and foremost you love him as a son before he ever started doing ministry. And I thank you that as he does ministry, that you are present with him in his suffering, in his joy, in the, the troubles that he will experience, the highs and the lows. God, I thank you that you are with him. You're going to be with him. You're going to speak to him. And so, Father, I pray you would tune his ear, tune his heart, tune his eyes. Father, I thank you for his wife. I pray you'd be with her. I pray that you would reveal to her things that need to be revealed before anybody else knows that she, so she can pray. I pray that you would give her unusual wisdom to speak into his life in those moments where he's not sure what to do next. And Father, I pray that as they do this together, all it would do is bring them closer together in you and that they would recognize that you designed them for this. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Lyle and for Anya. Lord, I thank you for the privilege to... Um, have been able to walk with Lyle since he was a freshman in high school. Thank you, Father, to be able to um, see through through the journey of his life, to have no doubt, Lord, as I think of the scripture in Philippians 1.6, that you who began a good work in us are faithful to complete it in the end. God, that Lyle would know that through these seasons of life, through the bright, joyful celebrations of fruitfulness in ministry and victories and through the dark and trying times of trials, Lord God, that you are working your perfect will and you're bringing about your perfect purpose in their lives and through their ministry. And I think of your word in Ephesians 2.10, Lord God, that um, we are your workmanship 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which you prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That Lyle and Anya both would have no doubt that you have set the course before them. And Father, that you have set your purpose before them, that they can walk boldly by faith in your service and for your glory. And Lord God, I think too of a great definition of calling to ministry by Dr. Jeff Orch, that it's a profound impression from you. I pray for that profound impression in Lyle as a pastor and Anya as a pastor's wife, that even when uh, they might be in the fogs of doubt and struggles in ministry or in the bright light of successes, Father, that your calling is more profound than any circumstance. And it keeps them grounded in you and their eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of their faith in Jesus' name. Father, your, your call is key. Serving the body of Christ as an overseer, overseer certainly not for the faint of heart. As uh, Pastor Jack shared, the office of an overseer is it's honorable. It's a noble task. So you lead us, Lord, to be effective, not simply efficient, but we want to be effective with what you call us to. And God, when you speak, you do speak with clarity. And God, when you speak, you do not stutter. You're clear. We need that clarity. So grant, grant this young man clarity. Grant him wisdom. Not just uh, the world's wisdom, not, not just a good philosophical skill, but but good, good godly skill uh, that uh, enables men and women of God to skillfully cut through life um, in a way that, that, uh, that stays be between the boundaries of your righteousness and your justice to achieve goals that please you in a wise way. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says, If the axe is dull and he does not sharpen the, the edge, then you must exert more strength. Wisdom brings the advantage of giving success. So we pray for, for good success, Lord. And, and also, um, as we follow wisdom, Lord, we just pray you'll give them some thick skin. It's just, it's such a tough job. Man, I have, uh, you know, <laughs> come from a business family, that's tough enough. But to, to be in full-time ministry, uh, we, you, you got to have thick skin. Because if you don't, you don't last long. Um, arrows come from all sides, primarily from the enemy himself. And uh, if, you don't, if you don't grow that skin, Lord, uh, if you have soft skin and these arrows hit in about 20 years or so, man, you get a hard heart and you end up quitting or you stay and you're just miserable and you, you're, you don't have any effectiveness because you're, you're not uh, tethered to the vine. You're not walking in the spirit. So, Lord, we pray that you'll give him uh, thick skin so in 20 years, 30 years, he'll have a pliable heart, Lord, a soft heart. Father, uh, uh, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, "As iron sharpens iron, so uh, so a friend sharpens the countenance of another. One man sharpens the countenance of another." So I pray, God, you would grant him accountability. Uh, people of accountability, at least three, that would be good. Jesus, Jesus had three. Give him, give him that inner group of three where they can ask tough questions. Um, we all need that. Men and women need that. So just pray. You would grant him that, oh God, you know, it's, it's, it's just tragic to hear about 
people that fall in a powerful way, even, even really smart people like Ravi Zacharias, Lord. So just pray that you would grant him the accountability that he will need uh, to make it for the long haul. And also, Lord, I would ask that you would grant this, uh, this couple a grace pace uh, for life, for ministry. Jesus certainly got away um, consistently to a quiet place where he would pray and be alone and people were freaked out and they'd look for him all over. What are you doing? Well, I'm getting alone with the Father because we need that time alone. So just pray you would allow him to keep that grace pace and to be, uh, to be a man of prayer. Lord, Psalm 5.3 says, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. God, whether you're morning, uh, mid-morning, afternoon, or evening, Lord, help me to find that place of prayer. And not only that, but uh, Psalm 19.164 says, Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments. So help me to just pause during the day and just praise you and let that joy ooze. It's good. And oh God, you know, one thing we're not going to do once we're on the other side in the kingdom of heaven with you is we're, we're not going to be witnessing anymore. There's no need to share the gospel, although the gospel is eternal. We know that. So the time is now. Just pray you would allow him to keep that forward lean outside the four walls into the field, Lord of Harvest. And, and a key way will be to have that faithful presence. As I actually heard uh, uh, Pastor Jack share here tonight, uh, faithful presence in the school system, which is awesome. Lord, we pray we pray that uh, as, as Elements navigates their community, Lord, that people would know that uh, there's not just a building here, but there's a live body here. There's a body of God-fearing men and women that Lyle and Anya get to be a part of and they get to lead. Lord, that they would have a faithful presence in this community. These things we pray in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for my nerdy friend, Lyle, that he would never stop uh, nerding out over your word. God, that he would never stop discovering new ways to, to love you more, to serve you more, to uh, impact your kingdom more. Uh, God, would you give him patience? Uh, would you give him uh, a love like yours that, uh, so that he can love those around him well? God, would you uh, give him passage? Help open doors so that he can share the gospel with people who may, who may not know you. And God, uh, help him mature people in your flock so that they might serve you better as well. God, I pray for Anya. Uh, I, I just pray for them as a couple. Would you, uh, I pray that they would both never stop investing in one another in their marriage that they would uh, pray together, that they would uh, face these challenges together, that they would celebrate the, the mountaintop experiences and, and comfort one another in the, in the valleys. God, i just um, so thankful for the impact that Lyle's had on my life. And I pray that you would find new people, new ways for him to uh, encourage other people within this flock. God, uh, like it was said before, would you... Um, help open doors at the university and, and the college level for him to uh, speak to those who may have bought into uh, other philosophies, other uh, idols, uh, other things to worship. God, would you give him the boldness to speak truth? Uh, and would you uh, help those ears to receive it? God, I, I lift up Lyle and Anya. We're just so thankful for them. 
Would you protect them? Uh, would you um, just bless them during this time? It's in your name we pray. God, we collectively give you thanks for Lyle, that you brought him to faith, that you've built in him a character, that it continues to grow to be like Jesus. We're, the the gifts and the skills that you've given him to minister to others, God, for that we give you thanks. He, he's a gift to your church. And God, I ask three things. I pray, God, that uh, Lyle will abide in you because you've told us that apart from you, we can do nothing. We can be nothing. And so, God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will keep drawing Lyle back to your heart. And, God, I pray that uh, he and Anya will stay in complete unity, in a oneness that no, that no one or nothing can ever interfere with. That you would protect that marriage. That together they may be able to serve you and your people. And God, finally, I ask that you would just put on Lyle and Anya's heart that which is already there, but it would grow deeper and deeper and stronger and stronger, that desire to disciple people from all nations, to bring them to faith, to seek after the lost, and then to help them to know you and experience you and to follow you well. God, I pray that your spirit will guide them and protect them all the years of the ministry that you have before them. And that, God, you would use them to expand and strengthen your kingdom. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Everyone said, amen. <clears throat> you are hashtag blessed. I don't know if that's how we end things, but it sounded good. Uh, thank you all for being a part of this. We can give an applause now. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you to all of you joining us online as well. Uh, unfortunately, you are online and you don't get cupcakes. Uh, sorry. Uh, but I bet you have something in your fridge, so help yourself. Uh, for those of you who are here, we're kind of being dismissed. This is the end of service and the end of this ceremony of ordination for Lyle. For those of you up here, right over here in the envelope, we have an ordination certificate. And I'd love for you to sign down both sides as we just seek to, to bless them and confirm this moment. And uh, for those of you out there, you are dismissed to Cupcakes. We'll see you back next Sunday at 5 o'clock, same time. <clears throat> we love you guys. <laughs>